0: hi everybody it's pastor Steve here how are you uh, Wednesday night Bible study or Thursday Friday Saturday or Sunday Bible study whenever you're listening to it it's a podcast so you can download it and uh, look at it uh, listen to it at your leisure and uh, just a reminder we also have my notes are there so where you click on the podcast right next to it you can click the notes download that or open them up and then you can see the uh, Notes that I'm dealing with. So we're in the Gospels part 17. We're in the last week of Jesus' life. Actually, we're probably, uh, life on earth. Uh, we're probably uh, at this point about five days away from the cross. That's where we're at. So I'm gonna start in Matthew 26, but then I'm gonna be going to Luke 22 for the rest of the, uh, the rest of the study. So if you wanna get Luke 22 ready, Uh, But I'm going to begin in Matthew 26. So Matthew 26, verse 1 to 5. This deals with the plot to kill Jesus. And it says in verse 1, And it came about when Jesus had finished all these words. He said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming and the Son of Man is to be delivered up for crucifixion. Then the chief priests and elders of the people were gathered together in the court of the high priest named Caiaphas. And they plotted together to seize Jesus by stealth and kill him. But they were saying, not during the festival, uh, let's not a riot occur among the people. You know, the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. You know, it always puzzled me when I read this passage, you know, why did they have to kill Jesus? I mean, obviously, we know he prays the price for our sins. But when you just think about it, what did he do that was so bad to these people that, that they wanted to kill him? You know, and when you look at it, there's, there's only a couple of answers you can really come away with. And, and one is, they were just concerned about themselves. They were concerned about uh, how Jesus made them look and what Jesus was going to take away from them because if they truly understood why Jesus came if they were really listening to his message if they were really looking at the signs they they would have begun to, to to figure it out it's, it's it wasn't that hard to figure out but they were so wrapped up in their in their in, the, in their own who they were in their position and their status you know that uh, uh, they just had to kill Jesus you know, and I, and I think about this today, that people repeatedly kill Christ. Not that they, they uh, physically kill him, but it's, you know, when you preach the gospel, when you talk about church, when you talk about the word of God and stuff, people just don't want to hear it. You know, they, they would just as soon, uh, you know, you go jump in a lake or something, or they just as soon throw the Bible in the lake. They just don't want to hear it. Because uh, somehow it's going to impede on their lifestyle. Or it's going to impede on on what they want or what they hold is so precious. But when you really look at it, what is more precious than eternal life uh, in the kingdom of God? There's nothing compares with that. And so it's just sometimes that people are so blinded by their own position, by their own status, by their um, their own agenda... They just cannot see anything. And it just reminds me, you know, the thief comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And so it's going on here. So now let's go to Luke. I'm going to stay in Luke. Uh, We can read the rest of this passage, what I have here uh, for tonight's study in Luke. So I'll be in Luke chapter 22. Luke chapter 22 we're going to be going to the part where Judas agrees to betray Jesus. Luke 22, verse 1 to 6. This is now the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which is called the Passover, was approaching. Unleavened Bread is actually, and Passover are tied together. Unleavened Bread is the day before Passover, but the feasts are kind of a... Kind of, uh, overlapping. So sometimes it's almost looked at as one feast, but it's actually two different things. And unleavened bread, the Feast of Unleavened Bread, it represents uh, sin. It, it represents the fact that we are to clean uh, our, our spiritual homes. The uh, unleavened bread has to do with the fact that when they left Egypt, after coming out of bondage, they left so quick that they didn't take anything and uh, with them. And normally, when in back in those days when you made bread, you kept some of the old dough. In other words, you would make bread today, you would make part of that bread for today, but some of the, the old dough you would keep and you would put it aside. And then when you made bread the next day of the day after that, that dough would begin to ferment, and that would be, be the leaven. Now if you're going to make bread you just go to the store and you buy a little bit of leaven and you put it in there and it it makes the bread rise but back in them they didn't have that and so unleavened bread, you know, it, it represents the fact that they came out so fast that they didn't have anything, and so uh, you know, what they do nowadays is, uh, you know feast of unleavened bread, you're supposed to look at yourself and examine that there is no leaven uh with you, that you're not taking anything you know, from when you were in bondage when you were in Egypt kind of thing it's kind of a metaphor for that, but it's also a metaphor for the absence of sin biblically, and Paul talks about that in the new testament so again verse 1 it says now the feast of unleavened bread which is called the passover was approaching and the chief priests and the scribes were seeking how they might put him to death for they were afraid of the people and satan entered into judas who was called iscariot belonging to the number of the 12 and he went away and discussed with the chief priests and officers how he might betray him to them and they were glad and agreed to give him money. And he consented and began seeking a good opportunity to betray him to them apart from the multitude. couple things here. Verse 2. The chief priests and scribes were seeking how they might put him to death. Again, going with what we read in, in Matthew, you know, they were looking for a way. But then it says, for they were afraid of the people how interesting is that they were afraid of the people but they weren't afraid of god they weren't afraid of messiah you know they their 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 uh their presupposition about who they were and their status and their position was so important to them you know that uh, uh it was all about people it was all about status and how uh how they were perceived by the people. You know, one thing in Christianity, it's, you know, we want to be perceived by people the right way, but salvation is how we're perceived by God, that we've repented, that we've confessed our sins, uh, that we acknowledge in, in uh, that uh, salvation is a gift from God because God has so loved us. He sent Jesus Christ to pay the price on the cross for our sins, and we confess that. You know, that's Christianity. Uh, uh, we, we, are, we, we, we have that fear, of that reverence of God. And uh, that's who we should be uh, uh, worried about. Not the people and how they look at us. Um, first and foremost, it's God. So then it goes on It says, the Satan that entered into Judas, was called Skyrat, and belonging to the number of the twelve, obviously one of the twelve disciples. And so, you know, he betrays Jesus for money and it's you know like today uh, people do so many things for money you know uh, you, you watch tv if you watch those crime shows or dramas whether they be documentaries or they be made up stories or whatever it is or when you look at what's going on in the world and stuff you know there's one thing that's that's a common thread through all of this and it's money you know it's always about the money, people kill people for money. People steal from others for money. People destroy others for money, for status, for wealth, for all 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 of this stuff. So you know, here the savior of the world is is uh, is going to be given up for you know a few pieces of uh, of gold and silver here uh, to uh, betray the Messiah. Just. Uh, very sad, very tragic, and just a thought here. We're going to get to this more, but you know, Judas betrays Christ. You know, he 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 was one of the disciples. He was there, but he had a not so good of a background. Uh, he was a thief, uh, and he was in charge of the, of the of the money belt, and he was stealing from the from that. Scripture tells us. But you know, the betrayal, and this is this is the thing you know, I want to bring out, is that. Betrayal is always an inside job. You cannot be betrayed by someone you don't know. You can't be betrayed by something you're, you're not familiar with. It's always an inside job. That's why betrayal is so devastating to us. When someone hurts us, when someone betrays us, whatever it might be. This is why it's so hard to overcome. And, and sometimes, you know, we're betrayed by people... Uh, different reasons, different stories, different times, but that lingers with us. And sometimes we're able to get over it. Sometimes you have people that spend their whole life, you know, uh, not getting, being able to get over that betrayal. Because it's so personal, it's so uh, uh, it's so devastating that someone so close to you could betray you. Now think about Christ, you know, he's walking with this guy every day just about he's teaching this guy he's seeing his face he knows he's going to betray him you know he knows it's going to happen Uh, a very very sad thing now preparations for the passover verse 7 it said then came the first day of unleavened bread on which the Passover lamb had to be sacrificed. This is what I was telling you. The first day, unleavened bread, that's when they they would sacrifice the lamb, but then they would have it the next day, Passover. Um, Verse 8. And he sent Peter and John, saying, Go and prepare the Passover for us, that we may eat it. And they said to him, Where do you want us to prepare it? And he said to them, Behold, when you have entered the city, a man will meet you carrying a pitcher of water follow him into the house that he enters and you shall say to the owner of the house the teacher says to you where is the guest room in which i may eat the passover with my guests and he will show you a large furnished upper room prepare it there and they departed and found everything just as he had told them and they prepared the passover um Preparations for the Passover. Passover is, is, is you know, one of the seven feasts of Israel, but it is probably the one that is the most celebrated. Uh, it's the one that's the only thing, you know, in Jewish culture, the only thing I, I can say that, that it's kind of close to would be a traditional Thanksgiving feast. In a sense that, you know, where all the family is over, you know, you, you you invite people in, even you know somebody that doesn't have have uh, uh, anywhere to celebrate Thanksgiving or something. You know, you bring them along. You know, kind of thing. It's uh, uh, it's just a very joyous occasion. It's a it's, it's a celebration. You know, obviously it's it's a remembrance of things that have happened in this in, in this country. But Passover it's a remembrance of of who God is, and it's it's a night of teaching. It's a night of preparation. It's, it's a night that you don't take uh, lightly. And if you've heard me teach Passover before, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's around a meal. And it's, it's, there, there's a teaching that goes along with it. There's a story of, of, of the Passover, the first Passover and coming out of Egypt and bondage. It's a connection. You know, Thanksgiving, all of us know the Thanksgiving story. Why? Because every year we celebrate Thanksgiving. Same with passover you if you celebrate passover you're gonna know the passover story because you can't do passover without the story and so you get the story down it, it, it becomes part of who you are you know it's like our our traditions our traditions help make us who we are you know, and and sometimes to to a detriment, you know, it's like you go over to somebody else's house for Thanksgiving dinner, and they don't do the mashed potatoes the way your your grandma does them, or the stuffing's not quite right. You get a little upset because it's not part of your tradition the way you you like to have it. You know, so we kind of get locked into these things. Why? Because we celebrate it every year, and we look forward to it every year, right? That's this is what Passover is. Passover people would come to Jerusalem from all over they would have to uh sacrifice the lamb uh one per household and so if you did not have a place to uh 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 celebrate passover you were from another city or even another country you know they would leave their doors open and you know that you would be able to celebrate the feast with someone because it was a day where you would invite the uh the stranger in to uh, come celebrate the passover with you So it's very important that the night Jesus is betrayed, as we find out, is on Passover. There's a big connection there. So, verse 14, we go into now the Passover is celebrated. Luke 22, verse 14 to 18. And when the hour had come, he reclined at the table and the apostles with him. Now, when it says reclined, back in those days, they didn't sit in chairs the way we do. They would be literally lay by a by a table. They would lay on their sides almost and uh or sit in a squatted kind of position or with their legs crossed or something, you know, like we did when we were little kids in, in kindergarten or something. They didn't sit at big tables the way we have it now. So when it says recline, they were literally laying there uh uh celebrating. Verse fifteen He said to them I have earnestly desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. You know, he, Jesus says, I've, I, I have this eager desire for this Passover. Because this Passover is going to be special. This Passover is going to change the world. This Passover will change history. This Passover is, is, is something that uh, we should always, always, always uh, remember. He says I have a desire to eat this Passover with you before I suffer for I say to you I shall never eat it I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God and when he had taken a cup and given thanks he said take this and share it among yourselves for I say to you I will not drink of this cup of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes uh you know he's he's opening the the celebration you know in a passover s- service you know there's four cups of wine that are given out small and the, each one has a part in the in the service and the first one is a is a cup of dedication so he's dedicating the night you know and says i've i eagerly desire to to be here it's like if uh uh you do your own passover celebration you know you you thank the people that are there in in and it's kind of like, I'm glad you, you're, you're here. And then you say something about why, you know. And, and just imagine what this, you know, Passover night is a night of teaching. And so Jesus is teaching on that night. We don't have all the information. We know the Passover structure, how Passover is celebrated. But imagine what would it be like to recline at that table where Jesus is, is celebrating that Passover. You know, when, when I think of all the, Markers in in, in 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 history that you'd like to go back and visit, you know, be be a fly on the wall. I mean, that one for me is huge. I would just just uh, uh, love love to have heard that teaching. So the um, Passover is now celebrated. They do the teaching. They have the meal. They're talking. It's a joyous time. But realize this: it's a joyous time. But Jesus is, is going to suffer. Jesus is going to die. You know, uh, not many hours from from this point is, uh, you know, he's going to be taken away. We'll, we'll, we'll get into that part next week. But, you know, there's a, there's a, there has to be a, quite a bit of tension here uh, going on uh, inside, of, inside of Christ, the humanity inside of Christ. So then we go to the Lord's Supper. Uh, verse 19, And when he had taken some bread and given thanks, he broke it and gave it to them, saying, This is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, This cup, which is poured out for you, is the new covenant in my blood. This is after the... uh, uh Passover meal is done, and this is basically the dessert. This is where the uh, afkomen, the uh, uh, the matzah comes out, and and you break it and you give it, and then you 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 kind of close out the uh, Passover celebration. So it's you know it's it's done with that with that bread, and it's done with that la- last cup of wine, uh, and so he says with with that bread. You know, and I pointed this out before that if you look at matzah uh, and you hold it up, you know, one of the things that you notice right away is, you know, the burn marks on the matzah. Uh, And then you also noticed that the matzah has little tiny holes in it. And this is what they would do to matzah. Even today, there's little tiny holes in it. Keeps it from rising. They want to keep it flat. It's not a fluffy bread. It's a flat bread because, remember, they're celebrating unleavened bread where they came out where they did not have fluffy bread because they didn't have the leaven. So it's, it's, it's like a it's a consistency of a, of a cracker. So he's holding this bread, which in a sense you look at it, it's pierced and it has stripes on us, you know, from, from Isaiah. You know, you know, he was pierced and has those stripes, you know, for our transgressions, our inequity. You know, and he's holding that, you know, and, and then he says, he says, uh, this is my body, which is given for you. You know, he gave his body uh, up for us. You know, he, he suffered uh, before the cross, you know, all the insults, all the beating, all that, everything that he went through. Again, we'll get to this next week. And then he goes on the, on the cross and dies for uh, the sins of uh, all time, of all humanity, Uh, He says, do this in remembrance of me. So in a sense, he's holding that matzah, which is almost kind of a visual reference to the stripes and the piercing that's going to be going on just hours uh, away from this meal. And then verse 20, in the same way he took the cup after they had eaten, saying, this is the cup which is poured out for you. is a new covenant in my blood. You know, he shed his blood on the cross for us. And, you know, this is kind of a hard statement at first, because, you know, if you don't understand Passover and that the, if the lamb had to be sacrificed and that the lamb was unblemished, that the lamb, no bones were broken, that his blood was poured out. You know, there's a type and shadow there, you know, of Messiah, where Jesus goes through and that that blood is poured out. And then in the in the Passover service celebrates the fact that on the first Passover. They would gather together and eat that lamb where the blood was poured out, but they would take the blood and they would put it over the doorposts. So that night when the angel of death came to kill the firstborn, whoever was in that house celebrating that Passover, whoever was under the blood, death passed them over. And so for us, you know, we are under the blood of Christ. Death passes us over as well. We now have eternity with uh almighty God. So when we take the cup, there's a a remembrance uh, of that, you know, uh, of um, the price Jesus paid, his blood was poured out for us. So uh, that's what we call the Lord's Supper. That's where the Lord's Supper is instituted. And, uh, um, you know, there's in the Christian church, there's just basically two ordinances. The things that we are required to do, uh, that we should do. One is baptism. Uh, You know, when someone receives Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior and discipleship, you know, the the baptism comes in, uh, water baptism. And then the other uh, thing that was instituted is the Lord's Supper. So those are the two, you know, uh, ordinances there of the church. That's why we celebrate those two things. So next we have Jesus now is going to predict his betrayer who, by the way, the other disciples, the other the, the apostles have no clue on. They have no clue as to what's going on. Verse 21, chapter 22 of Luke. But behold, the hand of the one betraying with me is with me on the table. Uh, one of the other uh, gospels says, you know, uh, he who dips his hand with me uh, in that, you know, part of the Passover sir, uh, service is that you know you eat bitter herbs and you and you uh, you you dip it into salt water and then you eat it and it's a reminder of the tears and the sorrow of being in slavery, slavery and in in, in, um, in in bondage. Um, so again, behold, the hand of the one who betrays me is with me on the table. For indeed, the Son of Man is going as it has been determined, but woe to that man to whom he is betrayed. And they begin to discuss among themselves which one of them it might be who was going to do this thing. Now, here they are discussing, okay, who's it going to be? But, you know, they don't really even have a clue yet of what this betrayal really is. Because, again, even though Jesus has been telling them and alluding to his, his death, they are pretty much in denial about it. That's why when he went on the cross and none of them were there, next week, you know, when we find out when they, when they come for him, you know, they all run, they all scattered. See, because if they realized that the cross, what it actually meant at that point, they would have been there. You know, but they weren't because they were defeated. They thought everything was lost because of his death they fully didn't get it and so now they really don't understand what he means by betrayal they could be thinking you know so, someone here is going to speak out against Jesus maybe or someone here is going to is going to is going to do something you know uh but they're not really getting that someone is going to betray Christ to those who want to kill him and uh, give him up uh to the Roman guard so it's, it's kind of a, a, a sad thing there. You know, it's, it's kind of they don't really know fully what's going on there. And then look what comes out of this verse 24, which I find is very interesting. Jesus just tells them one at the table is going to betray them. And then they just start discussing this among themselves. And here's the outcome of the discussion. Verse 24. It says, and there arose also a dispute among them as to which one of them was regard was regarded as the greatest. Wow. Here's Jesus. <laughs> on the, the the last supper, the last meal, uh, before you know the kingdom of, of God comes, before the cross, here where the weight of everything is, is about to come down on him. You know all this betrayal and all this stuff, and he tells him why he was going to betray me. And what comes out of this conversation? Which one of us is the greatest? Again, humanity. Humanity will always revert to itself. You know, it, it, it always talks about how do I, how do I, what do I get out of this? Where am I? You know, me, mine, I'm. You know, it's it's it's. There's, there's, there's no humility there and this is this is the, you know the, the marker of Christianity that we have to humble ourselves uh, before God, acknowledge that we are sinners and that we, we we do not deserve the gift that we've been given through Jesus Christ because if we, if we understand that, we're not going to sit here and say which one of us is is greater, which one of us is doing better things, which one of us is more exalted than the other? You know, that's 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 just a very, very sad conversation then. But unfortunately, it's a conversation that goes on today. You know, there's people that want to be exalted. There's people that want to be seen as more prominent uh, than others. You know, my Bible tells me, and rightly so, the playing field is level for all of us. We're all the same. The only one that's exalted is is Jesus Christ. All of us, regardless of our position within the church or, or or anything that we've done or how long we've been here, we are all equal. We are all sheep. And we all follow the shepherd, Jesus Christ. It's just a kind of a sad commentary there. Verse 24, kind of um, self-serving, you know. And when uh, you chase a rabbit, this is where I, I chafe a little bit When, you know, there's not too many of them around anymore. You have to go to Amazon, or even in this day and age, you you couldn't go into one anyway, but a bookstore. When you go into a Christian bookstore, if you can find one, or if you go online to a Christian uh, uh, website, look at the titles of the books and see what the theme is. Is the title about God, or is the theme about God, or Christ, or the Holy Spirit? Or is it about a person? Is it about what we get out of it? What benefit does it have for me? And it's very sad because, uh, uh, you know, you would find it, say, like a theological section would be very small. But all the personal self-help kind of things, are that all these books about what you get, your benefits, you know, and all this, you know. If the only benefit we got out of anything is salvation, that is more than enough. You know, but yet that humanity thing kicks in and then all of a sudden it becomes about us. Because we want to hear. We want to have our ears tickled. We want to hear, well, what do I get? And in and, and look at what I've done. Look at look at who I am. You know, it uh church it shouldn't be this way. Uh let's go on to uh well, let's finish this out, verse 25, where they're arguing over uh, who's the greatest. Verse 25 to 30. I know it's not on your outline, but you can put it there. Go Luke twenty-two twenty-four, and then go dash to 30, because I'm going to read to 30. He said to them, The kings of the, of the Gentiles lord it over them, and those who have authority over them are called benefactors. But not so with you. But let him who is the greatest among you, become as the youngest and the leader as the servant. For who is greater, the one who reclines at the table or the one who serves? Is it not the one who reclines at the table? But I am among you as one who serves. And you are those who have stood by me in my trials. And just as my father has granted me a kingdom, I grant you that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom, and you will sit on thrones judging the twelve tribes of Israel. Not judging them for their sins, but judging them uh, because of th- that they did not acknowledge uh, Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior. But basically what he's saying here is that we are servants. We are to be servants. And this is one of the markers of Messiah. Jesus came as a servant. When he comes the second time, he comes as conquering king. First time as a servant. He's serving us. He's, he's giving up. Think, think of what God gave up. God came to earth, uh, relinquished uh, you know, in a sense, the the throne room of heaven. In a sense, as he as he's here, and and is going to be taken, is going to be beaten, going to be scourged, going to be spit upon, uh, is going to have all such horrendous things spoken to him, and then they're going to nail him to a cross. You know, he he allowed that to happen. You know, he died for us. He allowed that that's the gift of God to all of humanity. And we need to acknowledge that and see that and understand that and model that. That's why, you know, the church, we are sometimes you hear me say we're servants of the servant. And that's what we should be. We are servants of the servant. We should be about servant leadership. So let's go on verse 31. This is a uh, Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Because uh, remember, they were, they were just talking about who's going to be the greatest, right? And then Jesus says, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan has demanded permission to sift you like wheat. And I have prayed for you that your faith may not fail. And you, when once you have turned again, strengthen your brothers. And he said to him, Lord, with you, I am ready to go to prison and to death. And he said, "I say to you, Peter, the cock will not crow today until you have denied three times that you know me." Uh, this is powerful. This is this is. Um, they're talking about who's the greatest, who's going to have this, who's going to give that, you know. And Peter, Peter, well, he says, "Simon, Simon," you know, his is it is a Hebrew name. He says. He says. He says. Look at the the devil wants to sift you like wheat. You know he wants to work you over. Uh, he wants to separate you. That's what he's talking about. You know you separate the chaff from the uh, grain uh, of the wheat. He he wants to separate you. And uh, uh, Jesus says, I prayed for you that you may have the faith and not fail. And then he says, "Once you've turned again." In other words, once you've repented again. because Jesus, because Peter's going to deny Christ, but then he's going to turn again. And you know, Peter again, you know, he gives the first uh, uh, sermons. He's a, he's the leader of the early church, and he you know, and and he says, you know, that once you've turned again, you're going to strengthen your brothers. And this is what Peter does, you know, with the early church, and, and this is what he's talking about. Uh, And then Peter says, Oh, no, Lord, uh, with you, I'm I'm ready to go to prison, even death. Well, Jesus knew better. You know, he's saying, you know, I'll I'll give up anything. But are you really willing to give up everything? And Jesus called him out on it. And at that point, uh, you know, he probably didn't fully get it. Not until later. Until after he denies him on the third time, and then he realizes that just hours before, Jesus had told him this was going to come. Because Peter gets wrapped up in what's going on; he gets wrapped up in the humanity; he gets wrapped up in his own self-preservation. I mean, come on, this is this is what we we do. This is this is humanity. That's why I say, you know, these aren't just stories somebody made up. Look at the humanity in here. This is what people do. You know, it's it's about self preservation. I mean that's just it's just human nature. This is who we are. We we have to understand this about ourselves. And so Peter's saying, No, no, Lord, I'm gonna be with you no matter what or how many times have we said that? Or you've heard somebody else say that and then when push comes to shove or when something difficult happens, all of a sudden you're you're not going to God anymore. Or you're drifting away because it didn't quite work out the way you wanted it to work out. Think about the disciples, the apostles. It didn't work out the way they wanted it to work out, but it worked out God's way, and God's way is always the best. And we don't we don't understand God's way, you know, until, until later on. And so this is what's going on here in this passage. It's uh, uh, trim, very it's very dramatic, and I, I want to encourage you to read the other passages on this and just look at it and meditate on it. Just kind of close your eyes, put yourself at that Passover. Put yourself there as you're celebrating. Put yourself there as these things are going on, and and, and Jesus begins to say, "Someone's going to betray me." Put yourself there in that conversation when everyone around you is, is is now talking about who's going to be the greatest, you know, among them, and and uh, who's going to do this and who's going to do that, and and then put yourself in Peter's shoes, you know, uh, uh, you know, Peter. You know, the devil wants to sift you. He wants to separate you. He says, and I pray that you have enough faith to do the things that you're supposed to, to do. And then when you do, strengthen your brothers. You know, strengthen the church. This is, you know, again, on, on, uh, uh, on, on Sundays we've been, we've been in Pentecost, the story of Pentecost, Peter's first sermon. Uh, this Sunday we'll be talking about uh, uh, Peter's second uh, the sermon to the church where he's, he's strengthening his brothers. So now this now goes to uh, the garden. Let's look at verse. You know what? I got a little bit of time here. I'm going to put verse 35 to 38 in here. I was going to go to verse 39, but let's just continue reading verse 35. This is where Christ predicts the coming conflict. Verse 35. And he said to them, when I sent you out, without purse and bag and sandals. You did not lack anything, did you? This is when he sent the seventy out to go preach. And they said, No, nothing. And he said to them, But now, let him who has a purse take it along, likewise, likewise also a bag. Let him who has no sword sell his robe and buy one. For I tell you that this which is written must be fulfilled in me, that he was numbered with the transgressors, For that which refers to me as its fulfillment. And they said, Lord, look, here are two swords. And he said to them, it is enough. Kind of interesting. You know, you can kind of fast forward in the garden. We'll talk about it next week where Peter has a sword and he cuts an ear off. You know, understand it in in light of this. He said, there's conflict is coming. And, you know, they might, you know, when someone says something like that to you, well, conflict is coming, you probably think, well, it's weeks away, it's months away, it's years away, It maybe it, it won't come. No, for them, it was literally uh, minutes away, this conflict, because now what you have is verse 39, where Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, verse 39, and he said, come out and proceed, was his as he came out and proceeded as was his custom to the Mount of Olives and the disciples also followed him Uh, you know Jesus was about prayer verse 40 and when he arrived at the place he said to them pray that you may not enter into temptation again Jesus knows what he's about to face and he's trying to get them ready verse 41 and he withdrew from them About a stone's throw, and he knelt down and began to pray, saying, Father, if thou art willing, remove this cup from me, yet not my will, but thine will be done. Here's the humanity of Christ. If we can do it some other way, do it some other way, but the God in Christ, but the Father's will be done. You know, it's going to be done. He came to do the will of the Father. Verse 43. Now an angel from heaven appeared to him, strengthening him. And being in agony. Notice, he's in agony. Why is he in, in agony? He's in the garden, praying. They're getting ready to, to, to take him. He's getting ready to be scourged. He's getting ready to go through all of this stuff. He's getting ready to go on the cross. But most importantly, he's taking the sins of the whole world upon himself. Uh, you know, you uh, and being in agony, verse 44, he was praying very fervently, and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. Uh, you know, I've never seen anyone sweat blood. I don't think any of us ever have. But in order for that to happen, your body has to be under such pressure, such a, a compression that your vessels and your capillaries and all that stuff are breaking on the inside of you. And to such a degree that, you know, when you bruise, you're bleeding internally. When you bleed outwardly, that that blood is not coming through your pores. So understand, you know, the weight of the whole world uh, is is upon him. You know, he's getting ready to take the sins of the world. He's taking the sins of the world upon himself. Uh... Again, and being in agony, he was praying very fervently and his sweat became like drops of blood falling down upon the ground. And when he rose from prayer, he came to the disciples and found them asleep from sorrow. Wow. He's getting them ready. He's trying to teach them. He's trying to show them. They're arguing over which one's going to be the greatest and this and that. And they're starting to get Well, maybe this isn't going to turn out the way we thought it was going to turn out. And, you know, he's over there praying, sweating blood, and he goes to those that are closest to to him and they're asleep. You know, we talk about betrayal uh, of Judas. But what do you feel like when you need someone by your side at at that moment and they're not there? they're 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 not paying any attention to anything you say, anything you're doing, they're just content with their own little world, uh, whatever is going on. And verse forty six and he said to them, "Why are you sleeping? Arise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. He says it again, and uh, next week we're going to pick this up, but realize where we're at. we're in the garden. The weight of everything is on him. Those that are going to be establishing his church are asleep. Those that are going to be establishing his church are potential, uh, to, to, uh, uh for temptation. They're, they're, they're in a position to not get it. They're in a position to fall away. Uh, they're in a position to be overwhelmed. Uh you know, so many things are, are, are going on here. And so understand, you know, with the application here in our own lives, we go through so many things and uh, so many things are going on. But the most important thing that we have to remember in this, arise and pray that you may not enter into temptation. In other words, pray that you don't do it your way. Pray that, you know, something else, doesn't 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 take hold of you and, and and move you off of the plan. You know, it's it's very hard to stick with a plan. And you know, God, Alpha and Omega, Jesus Christ has a plan. And our responsibility is to stick with that plan. And how many times do we come with our own plan? How many times do we come up well I want to do it this way, or I think it should be this way. You know, I say, you know, years ago they had that little thing by the bracelet, you know. Well, what would Jesus do? And I say, you know, don't worry about the bracelet. Look at what did Jesus do? Not what would he do? What did he do? Because he already shows us. He already tells us. So when you look at what he did, uh, prepares us for what it is that we need to do. Uh, You know, he came to do the will of the Father. And uh, uh, like a lamb led to slaughter, fulfilling the Passover. And as John the Baptist said, when he saw Jesus coming into in the water for baptism, he said, Behold the Lamb of God, making the connection that Jesus is our Passover Lamb. So I'm going to hold it right there. We're going to pick up the story next week. Uh, I encourage you, uh, if you have any questions about this or comments, email. Uh, get them in because I'd, I'd love to hear those comments. I want to hear those uh, uh questions or whatever it is because we can we can dialogue on that uh just as if we were doing this in person and then just a reminder on may 28th on thursday on facebook at seven o'clock at night uh for five weeks on thursdays beginning may 28th on thursday at seven o'clock on facebook be teaching evangelism and you'll be able to type in questions and we'll be able to dialogue, but we're gonna go through evangelism. Uh what is evangelism? Why do we why do we evangelize? How do we do it? Uh take some of the mystery out of it. Uh prepare us to do that. Because once we're able to gather again and, and do stuff, we're gonna be going out in uh to the parks around us, to the shopping centers and in places and we're gonna be doing evangelism. We are going to be active, we're gonna be out in the community uh doing things. So I want to encourage you to be a part of that. Uh, uh and and uh, I know you'll be blessed. So praise God, thanks for listening. I encourage you to share these podcasts with with any and everyone and again don't forget to uh, contact us and don't forget we are online uh, this Sunday and, and and every Sunday. even now as we are loosening things up and pretty soon we're going to be gathering together again as a church we're going to continue to be online. So this is something that we're going to be doing you know, always, uh, even, even in our Bible studies. I'm going to try and record those so they'll be on our website, so we'll, we'll, we'll always have them. So let me just close in a word of prayer. Lord God, uh, we just thank you again for your word. Uh, Holy Spirit, we thank you for being our teacher tonight. Uh, that whatever was said, Lord, whatever we read, uh, that you guide us into the truth that we need. You guide us into the revelation. You open our eyes to see, our ears to hear, and our heart to receive, Lord. And so, Father, we just thank you for the uh, opportunity to come together and share the Word of God, Lord. And may uh, uh, we be about kingdom building. May our ministry always bear fruit, Lord. And may we truly be the salt of the earth and the light. And so, Father, in all of this, we just give you praise and honor and glory. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, Amen. God bless and see you soon.